I know that the congregation here supports two young men currently at the Southwest School of Biblical Studies, Weston Moses and then Bryce Mayfield. Now, I know both of those young men, but I know one a little bit better than the other, and I think that it's a great work the congregation is doing here in supporting that young man as he studies and grows in God's Word. I hadn't been preaching in Mathis very long, just a few months, and I had a young man come up to me and ask me to write for him a letter of recommendation to Southwest School of Biblical Studies. That's apparently one of the jobs that a preacher is supposed to do. Is I said, you don't want me to write you a letter, man. That's going to do more harm than good. But he said, please write me a letter. They require it. The director of the school requires a letter from the preacher of the congregation referring the student. Now, you don't know this young man, but I'll tell you something. It's hard to find a better one. This young man is the example of service. This young man is the epitome of encouragement. He's a first-generation Christian. He's been a Christian for just a few years, but he worships, he studies, he serves. I'll tell you something. In a year and a half of preaching, writing this letter of recommendation was one of the easiest things that I've been able to do. I could recommend this young man because of the kind of man that he was. It was a joy to do so. This morning, I have a question for you, for myself as well, but for everyone listening this morning, can you recommend your religion? Can you recommend, truly recommend your religion? Now, I was planning on breezing through my introduction, but a wise young lady who is named Karen Vestal told me that it would be prudent to define my terms. Can you recommend your religion? The religion that each one of us that are in Christ Jesus, the religion that we have is based upon a relationship. I could, say, I could say, see the Lord's Supper meditation and listen to that one more time. The religion that I have as a Christian, as a disciple of Jesus, as a member of the body of Christ is based upon my relationship with Jesus and what he did for me to atone for my sins upon that cross of Calvary. Because of the sacrifice of Jesus, I will serve him. Because of the love of Jesus, I will obey him. Because of the relationship that I have with Jesus Christ, Christ, I will recommend my religion. Terms defined, moving forward. The psalmist does a great job of recommending his religion. Look at Psalm chapter 66 and verse 16 and hear the words of David in regard to recommending his religion. He says, come and hear all who fear God. I will tell of what he has done for my soul. The psalmist is saying here in Psalm 66 and verse 16, in beautiful poetry, I can, I will recommend my God. I will recommend my religion to any and all that will hear. Can you echo the psalmist's sentiment? We look at the religious landscape of the world. All of these various and sundry world religions, quote unquote. All of these various and sundry denominational groups. All of these sects. We look and we say, I think most everyone in this room this morning would agree as we consider the religious landscape, that these groups are not worth recommending. These religions are not worth recommending. They are vain. They are shallow. They're empty. They're incomplete. 
they're inadequate. We would all probably agree with that sentiment, but perhaps it has never occurred to you or to me that our religion may be in that same category. Not worth recommending. Now let me define why. Whether we realize it or not, each day we are either recommending or we are renouncing our religion. Our relationship with Jesus Christ as not being worth the time. We're either recommending it or we're renouncing it every single day of our lives. A person shows by the way that he talks, that he lives, by his actions, what kind of a recommendation he places on his religion. Can you recommend your religion? This morning, we're going to attempt to answer that question. Each one's going to have to give an answer for themselves, but we're going to attempt to answer that question with, with four subsequent questions. There's a lot of questions in this sermon. You may have a lot of questions after this sermon, but see me and we'll do our best to define it. Can you recommend your religion, point number one, in light of Scripture? Can you recommend your religion in light of Scripture? Point number two, can you recommend your religion by the way you live your life? In light of Scripture, by the way that you live your life, number three, can you, or can you recommend your religion by the way you support it? Can you recommend your religion by the way you support it? And number four, can you recommend your religion by the way it supports you? Point number one, can you recommend your religion in light of Scripture? Now, this is... Primary. This is point number one for a reason. This is primary. This is paramount. Two questions to think on as we try to answer this question. Can you recommend your religion in light of Scripture? Does God approve of your religion? Can you prove your religion by the Word of God? Can you prove your religion by the word of God? And does God approve of your religion? Now these two go together. Listen very carefully to this sentence. God does not. God has not. God never will approve of a religion that cannot be proved by his word. He has not, he does not, he cannot, he never will approve of a religion that cannot be proved by his word. <clears throat> Take your Bibles, go with me to 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 15. 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 15. But sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts, always being ready to make a defense. So the King James translation says to give an answer. To everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you yet with gentleness and reverence. Always being ready. This is an individual Christian's responsibility. This is something that if you've been baptized into Christ, this is your responsibility. Be ready to give an answer, to make a defense. My father cannot give the answer for me. My good and godly wife cannot give the answer for me. Gospel preachers who have influenced my life cannot give the answer for me. It's a unique responsibility to each and every individual, always being ready to give an answer to make a defense for the hope that is within you. 
everyone must be able to give their own reason. Can you prove your religion in light of Scripture? Galatians chapter 6 and verse 5 says that every man shall bear his own load. And I'll tell you something, this is true to a certain degree spiritually. Surely we have people that help us. Surely we have people that encourage us and build us up. But when push comes to shove and the rubber meets the road, I give an answer for me. I stand alone with Jesus Christ. Listen to the word of God as we expound a little bit on this point. Prove all things. Hold fast to that which is good. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 21. Paul would say in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 15, Be diligent to present yourself approved unto God, a workman who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Remember, God does not approve of a religion that cannot be proved by His word. Present yourself approved to God. When we prove all things in religion, we will be approved by God. We dare not take another's word as gospel. No, we turn to the true gospel, the word of the Lord, and search the scriptures diligently to see if the things being said are so. Acts chapter 17 and verse 11. The Bereans in Acts 17 did just that. They wanted to have a religion that they could wholeheartedly recommend. They wanted to have a religion that could have been proved by the Word of God. What about you? What about me? The congregation where I preach in Mathis does a great job of searching the Scriptures diligently. Their preacher generally hands them a sermon note sheet, and if he misses a reference... He writes down all the references that he's going to use so the congregation can follow along. And if he misses one, I tell you something, he's going to hear about it in the back of the auditorium. He's just glad that they're paying attention and following along in their Bibles. They are doing their best to search the scriptures diligently and prove their religion. Checking him. If they could do it to the Apostle Paul, I suppose they can do it to me and I won't be too offended. Let me illustrate the point. It's imperative to prove our religion. Let me illustrate the point in proving something. There was a young man, he was an engineer, and he was sent abroad on a work assignment. He was sent from his home to the country of Ireland for two years on a work assignment, electrical engineer. He took the job because he had a longtime girlfriend, his fiancée. And this job and the two years abroad would enable them to purchase a house with the income that it generated. They were going to pull their resources and then buy a house after they got married. He takes the assignment. She begins to write to him. She's expressing doubts. He's far away now. She's not with him. She's expressing doubts about his faithfulness. There's a lot of pretty girls in Ireland, she says. He tells her, I'll admit... There's a lot of pretty girls around here, but I'll tell you something. I am loyal to you. I'm being true to you. I love you. Time goes on. She sends him a package. Inside of this package, there is a harmonica. She says, honey, I love you too, and I wanted to give you this harmonica so that you can play it, and it can take your mind off of all the other girls, and you can think about me while you're playing this harmonica. He writes back and says, thank you so much. I will practice it and think of you. I love you too, sweetie. Time goes by. Two years pass. He returns home. The first thing that he does is jump on a plane and fly to Tennessee to see his girlfriend. He exits the plane. She's waiting there for him. He rushes to her with open arms. He's about to hug her and kiss her. 
Her family's nearby. Everyone's glad to see the reunion in this couple. The girlfriend holds up a restraining hand and says, Just you wait one second, Billy. Before any hugging or any kissing gets started, let me hear you play that harmonica. Well, he said he'd been practicing it every day. I don't know how things turned out for Billy. I don't know whether or not he proved the love that he had for his girlfriend. But I'll tell you something. I do know how it will end for many in proving their religion, in proving the love that they claim to have for the Lord. It won't end well. Failure of some to prove their religion in light of Scripture is going to lead to great sorrow. On the day of judgment, many will hear the words, I never knew you. Matthew chapter 7 and verse 23. Can you think of anything sadder to hear from the mouth of the Lord? Someone that you thought you were serving and loving. I never knew you. Who are you? Heartbreaking. May we not be in that camp. May we ever faithfully and truly follow the New Testament pattern set forth by our gracious and loving Lord. Recall the words of 2 John verse 9. 2 John verse 9 says, Anyone who goes too far and does not abide in the teaching of Christ does not have God. The one who abides in the teaching has both the Father and the Son May we always continually abide in the doctrine found inside of the Word of God. In doing so, we prove our religion. In the last day, on the day of judgment, the Lord will not fail to recognize those who are His. The Lord will not fail to recognize those who are His. Matthew 7.23 is supremely sad. And many are going to hear those words, Depart from me, I never knew you. But you want a point of contrast? Look with me at 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 19. In 2 Timothy 2 and verse 19, we see the comforting words, The Lord knows those who are His. I wear the name of Jesus Christ, and Jesus Christ knows me. On the day of judgment, he will not say, depart from me, I never knew you. He'll say, that one's mine. That one belongs to me. In our lives, in our worship, in our application of our study, may we emulate the attitude of Christ's mother Mary in John chapter 2 and verse 5. Whenever Jesus is about to perform his first miracle, turning water into wine in Cana of Galilee, Mary takes the servants aside in John 2 and verse 5, and she says to them, whatever he says to you, do it. That's a good motto for the Christian to live their life by. Whatever he says to you within his word, do it. Can you recommend your religion in light of scripture? The name that you wear, the worship that you offer to God, the answer to the question, what must I do to be saved? All of these things are found inside of God's book. All of these things carry with them eternal consequences. They're questions not to answer lightly. Do not be deceived. Be sure that you are a member of the church that you can read about in your New Testament. Be sure that you can recommend your religion in light of Scripture. Point number two. Can you recommend your religion by the life that you live? Can you recommend your religion by the life that you live? Now this one ought to hit really close to home for each and every one of us whenever we think about it. Do your life and your religion complement each other? Do your life and your religion complement each other? Do they go together or are they diametrically opposed? Opposite ends of the spectrum. 
I worked with the fellow for about five years. This man was a quote-unquote dedicated Baptist. I would not have known that this fellow had one iota of quote-unquote religion at any point if he hadn't told me. You know why? Because this man's life and his supposed religion were so contradictory. This fellow drank like a fish. He cursed like a sailor. He was known by everybody not to make a deal with this guy. He's going to try to skin you up one side and down the other. His life and his religion were contradictory. I always had questions about that man's religion. I always wanted to ask him. He wasn't recommending the Baptist religion very well by the way he lived his life. But there have been more times than I care to admit within my own life that ashamedly I was not so much different from this man. Can you recommend your religion by the way you live your life? James, in his book, is somewhat direct, as he is throughout the entirety of his book. He's direct about the matter. Listen to the words of Jesus, inspired by the Holy Spirit. Our scripture reading, James chapter 1 and verse 26. If anyone thinks himself to be religious and does not bridle his tongue, that man's religion is worthless. No good. Can you recommend your religion by the life that you live? It's been said and said well, if a man's religion does not change him, then he needs to change his religion. The true religion of Jesus Christ ought to be transforming. Romans chapter 12 and verse 2, don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Be changed. The true religion of Jesus Christ will change a man. If anyone is in Christ... He is a new creation. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. Jesus Christ, the religion, the relationship that we share to Him has got to be something that changes our lives. Christianity is not just a religion of convenience. It must be one of conviction. It can't just be a religion of convenience. It must be one of conviction. If your religion is not a religion of true, life-changing conviction, something is dreadfully and terribly wrong. We wear the name of Christ. We are Christians, those who have been baptized into Him. We wear His name. So therefore, our lives in every regard ought to adorn the doctrine of our Savior. Titus chapter 2 and verse 10. Many of us, myself included, are far too often not much different than the Pharisees. Their lives did not adorn the doctrine of the God that they claimed to serve, did they? They would say one thing, but they would practice another. Matthew 23 in verse 3. Their lives were contradictory to the doctrine, to the God that they claimed to love. Our lives, in speech and in practice, must point others to the Lord whose name that we wear. Can you recommend your religion by the way you live your life? It's been said the way that you use a thing is the greatest recommendation that you can give for that thing. Somebody may say, I drink pretty heavily, but I wouldn't recommend it. Well, that's all good and well, but they are recommending it. They may not recommend it in word, but they're recommending it in practice by the way that they live. I drink pretty heavily, but I wouldn't recommend it. Well, you're doing it by the way you live your life, whether you know it or not. 
He's recommending what he's practicing. Look at Philippians chapter 1 and verse 27 with me. Philippians 1 and verse 27. Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, says, Only conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come to see you or remain absent, I will hear that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Now, if you mark in your Bibles... What he said to the Philippian church here, this is just as applicable to you and me as New Testament Christians today. Conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Are you recommending your religion by the way you live your life? People are watching you and they're watching me six days a week to see if we mean what we say and do on the first day of every week. Are you conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ? Are you recommending your religion by the way that you live your life? The Apostle Paul, he sure could. Have you ever thought about that? Paul is the man who is truly living his religion. It takes somebody who's truly living their religion to say something like, the things that you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice and the God of peace will be with you. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 9. It's a bold statement. Somebody better be living their religion to say something like that. It takes a man who is really living his religion to say, follow me as I follow Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 1. The late and beloved Jim Powell used to say, whenever he would lead a prayer, God, we thank you that you say what you mean and you mean what you say. And God does. He says what he means and means what he says, but may you and I do so spiritually as well. Paul sure could. Paul preached what he believed. Paul preached what he believed enough to practice what he preached. That's interesting. A lot of us are mighty good at doing the preaching, but we're mighty weak on whenever we need to practice it in our own lives sometimes. You cannot be a holy Christian, H-O-L-Y, unless you are holy, W-H-O-L-L-Y, Christian. You can't be a holy Christian unless you're a holy Christian. People don't care too much about what you say. They're too busy watching what you do. People then in the first century were greatly inspired when they saw the life, the teaching, the preaching of the Apostle Paul. These things went together so well. Paul pointed so many to Jesus. By the way that he lived. He was an inspiration. Incidentally, he still is. We look back on the pages of God's holy word and we marvel at a man of God like Paul. We read about him and we wish that we could pray like him. We read his sermons and we wish that we could preach like him. But we see his life and we wish that we had the fortitude of character to live for Jesus like he did. Paul knew Jesus so well. Paul could say in Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20, It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Paul could say, For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Philippians chapter 1 and verse 21. What kind of a man of God, what kind of a life lived for Jesus to say things like this? Paul could say in Galatians chapter 1 and verse 24, They were glorifying God because of me. Read Galatians 1.24 and you really think about the weight of that statement. They were glorifying God because of me. How many people are glorifying God because of you, Christian, and the way that you live your life? It takes a life well lived for Jesus to be able to say such things. Point number three. Can you recommend your religion by the way that you support it? 
Can you recommend your religion by the way you support it? One of the greatest recommendations that anybody can give to their religion is to support it properly. In Mathis, we've got an area kind of like you guys do here, front church building area where all the kids go out and play a lot of the time. One evening, all of the kids were out there playing and the grown-ups were standing by talking. And we had a little guy, about four years old, come up and stand next to my wife, Brianne. He comes up and looks at her and he says, Mikey is not playing properly. Now, when a four-year-old says something like that, it really gets your attention. But I'll tell you something, too many Christians are not recommending their religion by supporting it properly. I know a good many people who are rabid Alabama football fans. Now, I'm going to preach this sermon in Mathis, and I was going to say Texas A&M, but I got two elders and four of my five deacons are all Aggies, so I can't use the Aggies as an illustration here. But Alabama works just as well. You know people like this. They're rabid Alabama football fans. They do not miss an opportunity to discuss the team that they know and love on Saturdays. During football season, you know what they're going to talk about? They can work it into any conversation. It doesn't matter what the subject is. Alabama football will be interjected somewhere. The same thing, times a million, ought to be true of us when it comes to our religion. Because of the relationship that we have with Jesus Christ. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 13. Paul would say, having the same spirit of faith according to what is written... I believed, therefore I spoke. We also believe, therefore we also speak. Paul spoke because he believed. You and I can do likewise. When one really believes the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, I'll tell you something, it's hard to keep quiet about it. If you love it as much as you claim to, you're going to talk about it. What support do you give to your religion? I can say this because I don't preach here and I don't mind stepping on toes. Some of you are here this morning, but we won't see you again till this same time next week. We'll see you here, but we won't see you again till this time next week. We've all got 168 hours in the week. How much of that time are you truly giving to support your religion? It's been said, Christianity does not come in a capsule form to be taken in one dose on Sunday. It doesn't work that way. If Jesus Christ is your Lord of your life, you're going to support him ardently all the time. It's not something to be dealt out in spoonful doses every once in a while, Sunday, occasionally Wednesday, if we're really dedicated. That's not how it works. If a man is serious about his religion, it's something that is all consuming. It takes up your time. It lives in your mind. It is position number one. Because of the love that you have for the Lord and because of the love that He has for you. How do you support your religion? Are you a pattern of good works? Titus chapter 2 and verse 7. Are you zealous for every good work? Titus chapter 2 and verse 14. Are you ready unto every good work? Titus chapter 3 and verse 1. Are you careful to maintain good works? Titus chapter 3 and verse 8. We, we recommend our religion as Christians through show and tell. Every day in the life of a Christian is spiritual show and tell. Think about this. Christian, you should be doing both. Divine show and tell every day for me as a Christian. You remember the Good Samaritan from Luke chapter 10? 
The Good Samaritan recommended his religion, and I don't believe that we're told what that was, but he recommended his religion by the way that he supported it. He was the unlikely hero in Luke chapter 10, wasn't he? What about the priest? What about the Levite? These were men who would have been quick, no doubt, to tell you about their religion, but they were all tell and no show when the rubber meets the road. Christian, don't be the priest. Don't be the Levite. Remember Jesus' question at the end of this parable, Luke chapter 10 and verse 36, which of those do you think proved to be a neighbor to him? Hmm. Do you recommend your religion enough to support it in ardent action? Or are you more the priest Levite type? Look at 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3, 17 and 18 with me. 1 John chapter 3, 17 and 18. But whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and closes his heart against him, how does the love of God abide in him? Little children, let us not love with word or with tongue, but in deed and in truth. Can you recommend your religion by the way that you support it? Finally, number four. Can you recommend your religion by the way that it supports you? The author, Jack Kerouac, once said, My whole wretched life swam before my weary eyes, and I realized no matter what you do, it's bound to be a waste of time in the end, so you may as well go mad. Very fatalistic, Jim. Very uh, dark, very gloomy. I'll tell you something. I wish that I had the opportunity to recommend my religion to this fellow. It may have changed his fatalistic outlook. It may have helped shed the light of Jesus Christ in his life. Who knows? This is a good test. Can you recommend your religion by the way it works for you? All the time. When crisis comes in your life, can you still recommend your religion? Can you still refer others to your relationship with Jesus Christ? Times of crisis, can you recommend it? When you lose a job, can you still recommend your religion? Does it still work for you then? When the icy fingers of death reach up and snatch a loved one from our midst, can you still recommend your religion? Does it still support you? When you're lonely when you're discouraged, when you're downtrodden, when you're hurting, can you still recommend your religion? Does your religion work for you then? The pure and true religion of Jesus Christ can be recommended during any season and any circumstance of life. If your religion doesn't work for you all along, then you do not have the one that Jesus offers in His Word. It's constant. It's supporting. It's never changing. It can support me all the time, regardless of circumstance. We don't need to be afraid. We wear the name of Christ, and as Christians, God furnishes us with a spirit of power. 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 7. The religion of Jesus Christ, the relationship that He offers, allows us to be sorrowful, but yet always rejoicing. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 10. We had a good and godly brother die not too long ago in Mathis, Texas. First funeral that I've done since I've been there. That guy was my friend. He was a good man. He loved the Lord. He died, and every single one of us that attended that funeral, we were sorrowful. I didn't know him for very long, but he sat in my office, and we had lots of conversations. We were sorrowful at his passing, but as Christians, we were still always rejoicing. 2 Corinthians 6 and verse 10. We live that. 
When the world, when circumstances are at their worst, the Christian must be at his or her best. And the gospel of Jesus Christ, the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ, allows for the Christian to be such. David said in Psalm chapter 3, in verse 3, But you, O Lord, are a shield about me, my glory, the one who lifts up my head. Christian, you and I can feel the same way. We live this side of the cross. We've seen the complete picture. The Lord is still the one who lifts up our head. He's still our glory. He's still our support. We recommend our religion because the giver of that religion truly does support each and every one of us. The Lord says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 5. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to them that love the Lord and are the called according to His purpose. Romans chapter 8 and verse 28. We can be more than conquerors through Him that loved us. Romans chapter 8 and verse 37. When we are united with the Lord, the God of heaven, we can truly, joyfully say, I will not fear what man shall do to me. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 6. A man paired with his God always makes up the majority. And that's a comforting fact for those of us as New Testament Christians. A man paired up with his God always makes up the majority. They'll be able to weather whatever may come in keeping with the divine will of God Because our God is able, Daniel chapter 3 and verse 17, because our God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all we ask or think, Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20, can you recommend your religion? Is this your religion? If you find that you need to change any of these four areas to make your religion line up with the word of God, now's the time to do so. Make the change now. Can you recommend your religion? Can you live by it? Will it do for you to die by it? Will it provide a refuge in the tempest of life and then carry you safely to that heavenly shore? Only Jesus Christ, only His gospel can furnish such a religion. There's salvation in no other name. Acts chapter 4 and verse 12 Trust in the Lord. Come to Him. You do so through faith and repentance and baptism. You begin a relationship with the God who loves you. Then you walk in Him. You grow. You encourage. You build up. You strengthen. If this is the case with you, you can recommend your religion. And that's a joyful thought. If you have any needs this morning, come now as we stand and while we sing.